Since this is uh, the youth basic training graduation, I thought it might be helpful to give you a brief, very brief history of the Doolins Grove youth group. And when I say brief, I'm really only going to cover the last couple of years, um, mainly that since I've been here, which is a very small slice of this church's youth group history. Now, I know um, quite a few years ago, the youth group was entirely led by volunteers, many of which are here in the sanctuary now. If you're in here now and at any time in your life and service here at Doolin's Grove, you have uh, volunteered to help lead the youth group, would you raise your hand? Okay, several of you. Very good. Thank you. I see one child raised his hand. Uh, He just stepped out of his time machine, I guess. Now, if you are in here and you at any point in your life were part of a youth group at Doolin's Grove Church, would you raise your hand? Okay. Not as many as I thought, actually. Like, pretty good. All right. Well, you guys are currently part of it. You know what I meant. Um, See, I came here in 2007 as the part-time youth guy. It was during the middle of a uh, uh, tumultuous time for the church. It was between pastors. The church had actually split. Um, and we came here and visited. And Lee Jones, who's not here this morning, uh, came up to me in that aisle right there and said, Hey, you went to Bible school, didn't you? And I said, Yeah. And he was like, You ought to think about coming and helping with our youth group. And uh, so I did. I actually went to school to do youth ministry. That's what I thought I wanted to do because I was a youth. And then throughout the course of my education, I decided I would never do youth ministry. And I was not interested in it at all. And God does what he wants to do. And so it's been wonderful since 2007 to be able to spend so much time with our church's teenagers. Um, My first experience here was with a, uh, mainly a group of guys and they were all pretty much the same age, and, and they all pretty much graduated the same at the same time. Um, they all graduated, and I wasn't sure what to do after that. You know, God had laid that really great group of guys in my lap. And then he just formed this group. I mean, I, I did no uh, aggressive recruitment, you know, to for our youth group. And he just brought these people together, and they are wonderful. And I'm very encouraged and excited for you to meet them. Um, so when I, I began, I searched the scriptures to figure out, well, what is important for a youth group? What should be my mission with our youth? Uh, my main goal is to engage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, my main goal is that they understand clearly who Jesus is, trust Jesus, follow Jesus. Um, we may do other things, games, activities, whatever, but it will be a failure if they have not heard clearly who Jesus is. So that's my primary goal. And then I have a lot of little secondary goals, one of which is to, I refer to it as the wall between the big church and the youth. I want to destroy the wall that separates the youth group from the church. And you know what I mean. There's a sense of separation. For us here, it's uh, even geographically, we go to a separate building (laughs) for our midweek thing. Anyway, they have their own building. Uh, often churches have their own youth pastor. Uh, you guys are in really sad shape. It's the same guy doing both. Um, I, I don't want there to be any sense of separation between you folks and you folks. Because in reality, there is no separation. We are all one in Christ. So as I search the scriptures for what to preach on this morning, 
for basic training graduation. I knew I wanted to take a break from Romans to give everyone's brains a chance to heal before we get back into it. And I found my way to Ephesians chapter 4, a passage from which Kendall read for us. Um, And I'd like to read actually a, a more lengthy version of it for you. And the passage I landed on actually has a great deal to do with unity in the church. So this isn't just for you guys or about you guys. It's about us being united as a church of all generations. So I'd like to read, and you, you can remain seated because it's somewhat lengthy. I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And as I do, hear God's call to you to be deeply united with your brothers and sisters in Christ of all ages. Okay? So this is Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 1. Paul writes, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And then Paul inserts a very bizarre parenthetical here in verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, monumental passage of Scripture. We will only barely be able to reflect on it this morning, but I pray that the deep truths that you communicate in here would sink down deep into our hearts and deeply affect us. Lord, please unite us in Jesus Christ. All generations, all, um, all variety of situations, each of us come in here with a whole complicated, complex life behind us. But in Jesus, we are one. Help us to experience that kind of unity at Doolin's Grove. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
So I have a very simple sermon for you this morning. It's just three points, three reasons that we are one in Christ. We share the same identity, we share the same destiny, destiny, and we share the same duty. So let's talk about our identity. In verses 4 and 6, I'll reread just those two verses. Paul says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You know, all the research indicates that 75% of people who are in youth groups will leave the church and Jesus behind them when they graduate. So that's three out of four youth group members in the American church, according to Barna and USA Today and others, will just be done with Jesus, at least for a significant portion of their life. They may return once they have young children, but once they graduate, they're done. They did their youth group thing, and it was fun, but they had no real connection with Jesus or the church. So if you guys are statistic, which I don't believe you are, what are we, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so what's 75% of nine? What's that? About seven? Okay, about seven of you, if you are a statistic, when you graduate high school and are no longer in the youth group, you will be done with Jesus Christ and the church. If you are a statistic. I don't believe you are a statistic. And with everything in my heart, I hope that you're not a statistic. I hope that all of you remain connected to Jesus and the church. But we have to ask ourselves, why does this happen? Why does the majority of our youths, our youth group members, turn away after high school? And there's a billion different reasons. I mean, it's a complicated thing. But I think one of them is they're not united with the church at large. So when, so when they get to the end of that path, youth group, that's it. You know, they could take this big leap over into big church. But that feels unnatural because there's no connections made there. There's not relationships there. I desperately don't want that to happen to any of our youths, any of our children when they grow up, especially these guys who I've come to love so much. So we are one. I'm not telling you, try to unite with them. I'm not telling you, try to unite with them. I'm telling you, you are united. We, We share the one body, the church. We share the one Lord. We are soldiers in the same unit here under the same commander. And we share one Father. So I want to ask you guys, old people, as in not youth, how do you look at our young people? Do you see them as such and such son, such and such as daughter? Or do you see them as your brother? your sister in Jesus Christ, part of you. Because they are. You guys are. You are my brothers. You are my sisters. It's just a change in mindset. Now, I want to make one quick note that's very important. This is referring to Christians. And I've told you a million times, I don't assume that because you're a member of Doolin's Grove or a member of the youth group, that you are a Christian. A Christian is one who has given their lives 
to trusting in and following Jesus Christ, uh, not someone who does certain religious practices. That's what he says in verse 1. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, not in a manner worthy of the group of which you're a member. The calling. You have to hear and respond to the calling. So i got to make that clear. So if there's anyone who has not responded to the calling of Jesus Christ, you don't mistakenly assume that you are one in the body of Christ with us. It's Christians who are one. So we share the same identity. We also share the same destiny. I want to read to you again verses 11 through 14. Where he says, And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints, which that's all of us Christians, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until, and here's our destiny, all of us, you guys, you guys, me, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, in other words, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We share the same identity, we share the same destiny, and our destiny is to grow up. To grow up into mature manhood, mature womanhood in Jesus Christ. I'm reading a book right now. I brought it with you. It's my visual. Isn't this interesting? Doesn't that just capture your attention? It's called Four Views of Youth Ministry and the Church. I love these books. There's a bunch of Four Views books. Four people who disagree with each other about a subject say their piece and then they respond to each other. They're great. Um, So this one, I received it a couple weeks ago. Four views of youth ministry and the church. And I'm so disappointed in it. I'm just completely, utterly disappointed in it. Four guys who have been in youth ministry for decades. Experts in their way of approaching youth ministry. Arguing for their way of doing youth ministry. And you know what's missing? Any scripture at all. No scripture in here. I can find a little reference here and there. And it's usually referring to some secondary point that they're making. These, these are not biblical shepherds. These are sociologists who are running nonprofits for teens. Why is there no scripture in a book about how to minister the scripture and the gospel of Jesus Christ to youths? And I know you guys are like, why is he getting so passionate about this? Because you're not you know, trying to do youth ministry like I am. It's frustrating. There's not a lot of scriptural basis for a lot of the way a lot of our churches do a lot of our youth ministry. And there's a reason why. You want me to tell you what it is? I don't care if you want me to or not. I'm going to. There are no teens in the Bible. Now, I don't mean numerical like teenagers. I mean the American idea of adolescence doesn't exist in the Bible. So... There's no real rich passages to go and draw from where, you know, the Christians did a a separate type of ministry to a separate type of Christian. You know, it was just, you're either a child or you're an adult. And that, that was pretty much it. Now, we live in a whole different time 
you know, we live in a whole different society, a whole different world. But, you know, you look in the Bible, and it says things to children. It says, children, obey your parents. That's about it. <laughs> That's about what sums it up. And then it says a lot to everybody else. So when, if you're going to try to just base what you do to minister to young folks from the Scripture, you're either going to have to treat them like children or you're going to have to treat them like everybody else. Now, I've gotten to know you guys, and you're not children. I mean, I have a great deal of respect for each of you. And I don't view you as children, which means I view you as everybody else, like adults, pretty much. So let's take the test. Are you a child or are you an adult? If you're a child, obey your parents, period. That pretty much is, is, at least in terms of commands, what God says. Otherwise, honor your parents. You know, you're living under their roof. You still got to do what they say. But grow up. And I'm not just saying that to you guys. I'm saying that to me. I'm saying that to all of you. I've seen, I've seen 14-year-olds more spiritually mature than some 50-year-olds. So the message for all of us, the destiny for all of us, whether you're 12, 13, 14, 15, 25, uh, 29, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, 60-something, the destiny for all of us is to grow up into mature manhood, mature womanhood in Jesus Christ. And we're united in that. We're in this thing together. So it's not like, you guys need to grow up. You guys are good. You're already set. We're all in this thing together. We've got to grow up into Jesus Christ, who is our our head. So he says it in three different ways. And by the way, if if you've noticed, if you're on the PAC, the Parent Advisory Council, and I send emails, you may have noticed that I'm breaking my back in how I word those things, not to call them kids or children. Maybe you haven't noticed. But I type out young men and women, even though that's a whole lot more words than kids. You know, when you're writing an email, you're just going for speed. I'm breaking my back to not call you kids because you're not kids. So here's what he says to us in in several different ways. Um, He calls it attaining... Uh, to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. So this maturity has to do with uh, deeper trust in Jesus and deeper knowledge of Jesus. He calls it mature manhood. Like a boy grows into a man. Spiritually, that's what we're destined to do. He calls it um, growing into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Growing to look more like Jesus Christ. That's our shared destiny as Christians. And we are in it together. And interestingly, what this looks like, as he describes it in verse 14, is the exact opposite of what a lot of our adolescents, our teenagers, struggle with. Verse 14, he says, you know, grow up into Christ so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Yeah, I was doing some research on just the idea of adolescence recently. And there's several people who this is what they do. They study this, you know, the teenager thing, what it's like to be a teenager in America. And it, it changes, I think, with every generation, what it's like to be a teenager in America. Um, 
You guys are facing things that I never had to face at your age. But here's, here's the five things that the, uh, the sociological researchers have agreed upon that characterize the, uh, the teenage life. You guys see if you agree with this or not. Don't tell me right now, but we can talk about it later. Don't shout out, you're wrong, in the middle of it. Number one, identity exploration. Just trying to figure out who the heck we are. Number two, instability. Number three, focus on self. Number four, a feeling of transition or in limbo or in between something. And number five, a sense of possibilities, uh, just sort of endless opportunities and possibilities, almost too many. And then they also throw in several other characteristics that they find often a sense of transience, a sense of confusion, anxiety, self-obsession, melodrama, conflict, disappointment. Okay. Sounds like a blast, doesn't it? Don't you want to go be a teenager again? Do you see how getting engaged by the gospel of Jesus Christ, growing in faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ, starts to transport you out of all that? Out of all that instability into stability where you're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind, but your feet are on solid ground. You know who you are in Jesus Christ. You are fully loved, fully adopted, fully accepted by God, fully gifted for a eternity-shaping purpose to love God, worship Him, love God, I mean, love people and serve them and make disciples. Do you see how this this destiny is, is what we all need? Maybe especially people in this tumultuous time of life. So we share an identity, we share a destiny, and lastly, we share a duty. And I just want to read what he says in verses 15 and 16. He says, rather, rather than being like children tossed about, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly— makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So in short, what he's saying is our duty is to each other. Just like all the parts of my body are required to all the other parts of my body to work properly. Now, some of the youth will remember this, especially Ben, because I primarily associate this incident with Ben. Um, we were playing basketball out here a while back, And I don't feel like I'm really hardly any older than they are. I feel like, you know, I don't feel much removed from my teenage years. I'm 29 now. Um, By the way, this is your last month with a pastor in his 20s. Enjoy it. I don't feel any older than them, really. So when I'm out trying to play basketball with them, I'm trying to operate like I'm a teenager. So I was trying to play, and I think I was guarding Ben. I associate this with you. I don't know if you pushed me or something. I don't know why. But for some reason, something happened, and I twisted my ankle, like horribly, to where, like, it rolled all the way up my leg, up to right right there. (laughs) Do you remember that? Maybe I'm slightly exaggerating. So just one part, it was actually this foot, 
Just, just this little part. There was a knot right there on my foot. If you can see that, right there. Just that one part of my body was completely cut out of operation. I just couldn't do anything with it. But all the rest of me was working great. Nothing had changed for all the rest of me. It wasn't even my whole foot. I had five fully functioning toes still on that foot. They were fine. My whole leg, both my legs, my other foot was fine. I didn't even, I have another one. You know, this isn't even my only foot. I have another one and it was working fine. Yet, I was completely immobilized. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get out of my bed and go up for breakfast because I had to hop all the way there. And it was ridiculous because I could put no weight on it. I don't have any crutches in the house. I haven't been old before. I'm getting used to it. I've never had to hobble around on crutches. Now, the metaphor that Scripture uses all the time for the church is a body. It's the body of Christ. Okay? So, if you are a Christian, you are a part of that body. If you are not functioning properly, you are crippling the entire body. And you may think, well, there's somebody else that can do it. doesn't matter. We are part of each other. We are one. And that includes all of us, and that includes all of you, and all of you. So, your function in the body of Christ, you know, maybe you're a husband and a father, not of a youth, but just a, maybe you're just a man in the church. Do not think that if you malfunction, it's not going to affect them, because it is. If you malfunction in your, you know, loving your wife like Christ loved the church, raising your children in the instruction of the Lord, you know, serving this body of people through mutual encouragement and, and sharpening like iron sharpens iron. You know, if, if you're not doing that, don't think that you're the only one affected. It affects all of us. You know, my pride, my fear of man that causes me to sin, causes me to adjust how I preach to try to make you think well of me, that doesn't just affect me. That affects you. It affects you. It affects the members of our body who aren't even here this morning. See, you nine are part of the rest of these folks, and you folks are part of these nine. We share an identity, and we share a destiny, and we share a duty toward each other. So I want to close this little message uh, just reading the first three verses of what he wrote. I'm just reading it to you. Hear this as God talking to you. And then we'll pray, and then I'm going to introduce you to these folks as we do our graduation. Okay, hear this as God speaking to you. Through Paul, who writes, I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be part of your church, your body. Uh, We are frail and we fail all the time. Help us not to feel condemned 
uh, by our failures in these things. Help us to feel convicted and enabled to change and grow. Or for those who are in this room who maybe have not heard and responded to the call to go and follow Jesus Christ, to trust in Jesus Christ, I pray that they would hear it and respond now. They would just give themselves, transfer all their weight onto Jesus, trusting him, learning from him. Uh, for, For those of us who lack maturity, I pray that you would help us to grow. Help us to build each other up. Help us to pray for each other, to remember each other, to serve each other, to so that we all together as a unit, as a body, could grow up into a Christ-like presence in this world. Something that would bring you glory and pleasure and something that would serve the people of this world very well. And now as we transition into uh, this graduation from basic training, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in the lives of all these young men and women. That they would be getting every day more deeply engaged in their faith and knowledge of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.